Welcome to the 3v3 Podcast, your socially distanced hockey chat show. Here are your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome, welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. Number one bull, um... <clears throat> I posed the question, as we are scant weeks away from the expansion draft. Ten days at the time of recording. Ten. Ten. Ten years! I always do the Jeremy Piven thing from um, Girls Point Blank. Ten years! I know, I freaked out. Join the military. Um, I posed the question in their, in their extravaganza. What's the best person-place combination for announcing one of the Seattle draft picks? Cassie, you should most certainly go first. All right. All right. Seattle Seattle is known for music, so I, I actually have two. I actually have a list, but I'll give you two. Um. Anna Nancy Wilson of Heart in the Museum of Pop Culture in the Guitar Gallery with the wrench. No, wait. Um, <laughs> candlestick. Then, it's definitely candles. a candlestick. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, and then Carrie Brownstein in front of a Cedar Kinney Road sign in Lacey somewhere. I had almost said a freeway off-ramp sign, but I thought that might be a little too dangerous, so. There, yeah, yeah, okay. No, not really. I mean, they can shut down parts of I-5 for anything now. Yeah, and they do. And they, yeah, but they frequently do. Mm-hmm. I thought you said you had a list. I have a list. Do you want me to go through my list? Oh, go for it. Okay. <laughs> so, so then I had also um, Rain Wilson in an office somewhere with the Seattle skyline behind him. Because, you know, the office. Um, Bill Nye, somewhere on the University of Washington campus, like in a chemistry lab, perhaps. Kyle McLaughlin, Snoqualmie Falls Upper Observation Deck in Snoqualmie. Now you have to explain that one. Twin Peaks. Okay. Uh, the hotel in Twin Peaks is actually um, overlooks Snoqualmie Falls. So okay. there you go. And then the one that I had mentioned, actually more than this, but I'm going to limit myself to these. Um, <laughs> the one that I had mentioned after we had we had done recording the last episode was um, Tyler Johnson announcing himself as going to the Seattle Kraken on the North Monroe Street Bridge looking over Spokane Falls in downtown Spokane. <laughs> I still love that one. <laughs> and if they're picked from the Tampa Bay Lightning, they pick me! <laughs> anyway, so there you go. If it hasn't been obvious before, as the only person who has never um, been a resident of the Pacific Northwest, I was a little out of my element here. And and just, just a little intimidated, because I could be shamed very easily, and then I could give a wrong answer. We'd never do that to you, Pat. But you should. <laughs> I am so not it's, gatekeeping. I am not gatekeeping. No. Which which NHL execs autobiography is that gonna be? <laughs> None of them. <laughs> Something that rhymes with damble. What? Mm. Okay, so um it's interesting, Cassie. You mentioned Bill Nye. I went with I, I I had two choices in in mind. One was Joel McHale, who, while not born in Seattle, he um, 
he was a resident of one of those um what seemed to be um upper upper class heavily white neighborhoods in the metro metro area which seemed perfect for the nhl also he happens to work for one of their rights holders technically um he hosts a game show called card sharks on abc and wouldn't it be just a fun little twist to just play off that and have him make the pick from the san jose sharks but i went a little deeper man by the name of john keister yeah, John Keister, Bill Nye. Yep. Mm-hmm. There we go. Mm-hmm. And that's the rabbit hole I went down. For, <laughs> those, for those who are uninformed, uh, Keister was the second and probably the the most well known host of a little show called Almost Live, a what turned into a sketch comedy show that actually preempted Saturday Night Live in the um in the seattle area for about 15 years and nobody complained by the way nope (laughs) nobody complained no no one so i thought wouldn't it be funny to get at least keister to put on some sort of you know two three minute sketch or host it he was the host he did a monologue um, anyone who watched Comedy Central at any weird hours of time back in the late 90s, early 2000s has probably seen an episode. And it had people like Joel McHale. It had someone like Bill Nye, a few other names. Maybe you can get them involved, but have him do some sort of monologue. I was thinking maybe, and this might not be much of a um, landmark, but Somewhere near where the old King 5 studios were on Dexter Ave or corner of Dexter and Denny, uh, uh, a intersection that I know a lot about. It's like hearing about the 401 in Los Angeles. I've never been there, but I know all about it. And there's a park, so it'd be scenic, but something where they can riff on the, oh, this is where our studio used to be. Look what they turned it into now. And just play on that for, oh, what they're doing with the old mall for the practice facility. Um I mean, they, they could do a whole sketch on and oh, man, you guys just I think who just ruined this for me in our in our little chat. Patrick, that would be me. my punchline. No, um, they, they did a sketch about reuniting or reunite the high fiving white guys. It's like your starting five in most NHL cities. Um, yeah. <laughs> So I think that'd be fun. Pick kind of a non-landmark and just kind of joke on. Have a local joke on the changes that have happened in the area. And, oh, now we're getting this white-on-white sport. (sighs) Now, the the other one, the other skit that I was thinking about after the high-five and white guys, because they would be perfect, would be the capable woman. Oh, Nancy's sketch. Yeah. Mm. Which, yeah, Nancy, Nancy Guppy was, or not, was that Nancy Guppy? I think that was Nancy Guppy. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, it's it's a superheroine who quote unquote rescues men to quote unquote manly to admit that they can't do everything. That would be fun too. We could we could incorporate Cami Granado into that. That that's where my mind was just going when you said. <laughs> I like, I like, I was going to say, um, uh, John Keister was notorious for hanging out at, um, a really kitschy Mexican place downtown called mama's Mexican. Like they, they were constantly there during show weeks or during the week and after shows and stuff. Um, so him sitting there would probably, it'd be a very, very, very kitschy niche seattle thing yeah which Um, i think any production will need more of instead of slamming other potential picks down our throats which is the nhl way which is you know i'm I'm wondering how much the nhl is going to have any input on this um 
As little as possible, yeah. hopefully. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. I, I'm, ho- I'm thinking and hoping they're a little too busy right now. <clears throat> I, yeah, I kept trying to... I kept trying to like put someone in the show box. Yeah, I thought about the show box. I thought about maybe Neptune Theater. And that's where I went on this okay, stand up venues. Because I figured there'd be someone else would pick music. Let's do something a little different off the beaten path. And that's kind of how I, you know, stumbled onto Almost Live and was like, oh yeah, I remember this. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was uh, the the high fiving white guys go sightseeing around Seattle. You know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There you go, mm-hmm. and and they could be the hosts of the show. Yeah, we got Tyler Johnson. Yeah, yeah high fiving each other until we get to the next location. And then Bill Nye used to do a character called Speedwalker, which was his superhero. Mm-hmm. And it was, oh my god, it was just awesome to see him in the in the appropriate speed walking form, mm-hmm. right? Heel toe, heel toe, heel toe, heel toe, heel toe. Pumping his arms. <laughs> Pumping his arms, wearing a cape. Um, so, in case people don't rec- realize, Bill Nye has not always been the science guy. He started out. I mean, he's from Seattle, but one of his big breaks was almost live as a comedian. <laughs> While he was working at Boeing. Yes. Yeah. So, so you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like, oh, the Seattle, the the longtime Seattleites and and Pacific Northwesterners realize, oh yeah, Bill Nye, that I remember before. <laughs> yeah, we were like, oh yeah, we used to love watching Bill Nye the Science Guy on Almost Live. Mm-hmm. Now he's got an entire show. Because that's that's where it came about. Bill Nye the Science Guy came about on Almost Live. Yep. That's how we got that character. So anyway. Did you just woman explain to me? I did. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> awesome. I'll take it. Actually, I wasn't doing it to you. It was just, you know, sometimes you're, we get really in the weeds of Seattle stuff. And <laughs> you were a woman you were a woman explaining to our audience, which is I was. Even better. That's, that's more accurate, yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, we need to well actually them too in a little bit. Um, oh, actually. well actually the Tampa Bay <laughs> Lightning weren't eighteen million over the cap in players. Um <clears throat> I I, uh, I want Sig Hansen and the crew of the Northwestern out in Puget Sound pulling up a crab pot with one of the with one of the picks like in a message in a bottle type thing. You know the guys are the guys are out there trawling you know and they're railing it in and everything and Sig screaming at the at the helm let's speed it you know his typical his typical speed it up you know intense thing and they pull out the pick and announce you know and they announce the pick that way his daughter does cuz she's the real kick ass one now um <laughs> that makes me for some that just suddenly just popped into my head the lady washington and the chieftain which is out of Aberdeen, and uh, they're tall ships, and uh, they will sail together around the West Coast, and they'll do mock cannon battles, right? And then um, with with people who are paying for, like, a little cruise around on the ship. And um, so, you know, you haul up the colors for the Seattle Kraken, and then you bring out the the Sea Bear Pirates, Okay, thank you, because you just stole my next one, (laughs) which was as part of an annual tradition launching the Seafair festivities, which is, uh, you know, at at this point, it's who knows how long Seafair is, you know, but as part of the annual tradition, they would, the Seafair pirates would land at um, Alki Beach and storm the beach Mm -hmm. to announce the beginning of Seafair. Um, I was going to say since we're because they could just you know say Seafair is going to start whenever and it does traditionally start in the summertime so you know they could just do it as part of it and they can come in and announce a pick because mm-hmm. there it's just kitsch it's just pure on kitsch um, the other one is I want Duff McKagan in there somehow <laughs> and I was thinking Duff McKagan could be you know. In 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 school, at Roosevelt High, where he attended, and dropped out from, even though he was an honor student, because not a lot of people know Duff's ungodly smart. Mm-hmm. 
he really is smart. Um, him sort of in a professorial mode teaching, either there or at the University of Washington. He's also known around here, and I think I've mentioned it before. You can find him out on Lake Washington sculling in a single in a single um, single man boat constantly. That's his thing now. Um, so I want Duff in there some way, shape, or form. You could be at Thunder Road Records or just something. I want Duff in there. Because and hopefully one of his old editors from ESPN.com remembers and is still working for the company. And Yeah, you know, you know Duff's, Duff's OG Seattle Rock. You know, Duff and Nikki Six. Not a lot of people know Nikki's from up here, too. But Nikki, we, Nikki we can disassociate because he never came back, and I don't blame him. <laughs> given you know what what I know about his family history, Duff on the other hand, Duff's come home. Um, but for your showbox band, Pat, Alice in Chains. Mm-hmm. You know. So if you want real, if you want kitsch, then we're gonna need the Ivers clams. And the the Rainier beer bottles. Yeah. (laughs) Look up commercials, kids. (laughs) There's, you know, like just like every region in the country, we have our own little local chains and beers, you know, food chains and beers and stuff. And every one of them has kitschy little, um, little commercials. I mean, there isn't a kid that grew up around here that couldn't, that couldn't do one of the Rainier beer commercials. Rainier. And it'd just be a motorcycle. So you're doing a Doppler sound, just going Rainier beer as the motorcycle would drive off into the sunrise. With Matt Rainier behind it. In the it. back of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then the, the Ivers had the dancing clams because they had clam legs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Um, Ivers is a seafood restaurant. <laughs> and I want them to be kitschy because Seattle is still a weird city, right? I mean, we're not nearly as as off-the-rails crazy as Portland because they do more heroin than we do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we're still a funky little... I mean, come on, you know, the Ufta and the Ballard... The whole Ballard, somebody needs, that's why I want Sig and the kids to be there, sort of in Ballard, Mm -hmm. you know, because the whole, if they're going to do it, they have to do something with the Kraken, they have to do something with the sea, and he is born and bred, you know, they all still live here, and they just roll the bow out in the middle of the summer and do a little thing where they pull up a crab pot with a pick in there. That's kind of what they were hinting at with the... When they did the announcement to make the announcement to, to announce the name, mm-hmm. you know, they had the fishermen out there pulling in the nets. They need to do it. Well, come on. And anybody that sells Kelsey Grammer is going to get a kick in the junk. <laughs> because if they're going to do that, they might as well do it on the set of the show, which had an impossible view out of his apartment. Because there is in no way, shape, or form anywhere in the city of Seattle during the run of that show that you could have that view. Of the space deal and all the buildings. No, no, it didn't exist. Cary Park, that's about it. <laughs> no, not even Cary Park. It, it, no, there were a couple buildings. No, anyway. Rant over. Rant over. <clears throat> now, I, so I had a couple, I had some others. I was trying to like, I was brainstorming. I wasn't going kitschy. My first kitschy thought was, I kept, my problem, I kept running into people who have already died. <laughs> You know, JP patches at the Seattle Center Center House <laughs> kind of thing. Um, so, uh, yes, I'm old. So, um, the other ones that I had, and I was trying to kind of go all over the state with these two a little bit, was um, Governor Inslee in the Capitol building next to the, sea, the state seal in the floor under the rotunda. Um, or right next to George Washington's head with the shiny nose. I don't know. Um, and then Seattle Mayor Jenny Durkin. I was like, should she be on the ferry? Should she be on top of the Space Needle? Should she? I don't know. Um, I was also had Sue Bird and Megan Rapinoe um, at the International Fountain in the Seattle Center. I expect them to be part of it. All oh, I'm, yeah. I'm sure they will yeah. be. I, but, I mean, I hope they are, and I expect them to be. Um, Isaiah Thomas, who is currently playing in L.A., 
Lakers. Um, but he is from Tacoma and in front of the Tacoma Dome. Yeah. Uh, Nate Robinson in front of Climate Pledge Arena. I expect them to have a, a Seahawk or two. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, ben Gibbard on the mm-hmm. Western Washington University campus. There's your sub pop connection I was waiting for. The, the, well, I mean, they all like got together at Western, my yeah. alma mater. Uh, Macklemore in front of a random thrift store. No. Or a, or a Dick's. Yeah. Um, Ryan's We're wearing the Dick's jersey. Ooh, oh, I, yes. God, I love my Dick's jersey. <laughs> I, swear, I swear to God, I've worn it out like twice because, you know, it's weather is not a it's not weather appropriate for summer. But there's been a couple of days I've been able to get out early and wear it. And in the grocery store, people are like, sweet, you know, oh, man, nice, nice sweater. Like, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Um, Ryan Stiles, uh, he actually owns the Upfront Theater in Bellingham. He's from Seattle, but he lives in Bellingham. Um, and I kept trying to come up with like, like local Native American person. But in Washington, most Native Americans keep to themselves. They don't really put themselves out there. But um, I did come up with Joel James, who is Lummy, um, Lummy Nation. And if you've ever been up to Bellingham, the best view of Bellingham in the Bay is from Portage Point, which is on the Lummi Reservation. And you get Mount Baker behind it and the Twin Sisters Range, and it's just gorgeous on a clear day. But Jewel James um, has a, uh, uh, a carving shop, and I feel like he needs more recognition because... Uh, after 9-11, while totem poles are not a thing for, the, for Native Americans in the Pacific Northwest, some tribes have adopted them, and uh, the Lummi have, and he created with a team of people um, three healing poles to go to all three of the 9-11 sites where they went through the country and all the tribes that they came across blessed the poles as they went around. And currently right now there's another pole. It's a environmentally healing pole for like global warming that's making its way around the country and being blessed by various tribes. So um, his was the only one that I could really come up with offhand. I don't know that he would do it, but there you go. That's my list. God damn it. I completely forgot. My my mom just walked by and reminded me that Mama's closed down. <laughs> Damn it! So there went mine. John Fleester can re- Mama's closed down. It was torn down. It was torn down for the sake of quote unquote progress. So he could do his cops and Ballard then. I have a, I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of Ballard centric stuff because Ballard is the. Welcome to Seattle Talk with Pat, 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 Cassie, (laughs) with our special guest this week, Pat, who's just going to nod his head and go, why did I join this podcast? Hey, Um, I've got my map pulled up. I'm following along and I actually, (laughs) I kind of get it. So Ballard is the um, Norse. It's, It's the home of all the Norwegians and a lot of Swedes. Came over and settled there because it's a big fishing village and big fishing town. And Polsbo! There, yeah, they they went there into Polsbo. Yeah, sure, you betcha. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Ufta, 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 Ufta. Um, and Keister did a segment on Almost Live. Um, they used to do a cops spinoff, and it was cops and Ballard, and he'd pull people over for not having part of their seatbelt dangling out the driver's seat car. <laughs> Not having their turn indicator on permanently. Typical Ballard, you know, if type stuff. Um, Fremont, so it should all be. No, no, no. Yeah. There's got to be one thing with the Fremont troll. Okay, yeah. So that's where McKagan could do it. Steph could do it at the Fremont troll. Huh. Um, so, anyway. <laughs> 
Yes, we are a scant 10 days away, ladies and gentlemen, from the event. And I have yet to see any film crews in and around Seattle. I mean, we all expect they're going to do something at Pike Place with the fishmonger, right? Always. The big fishmonger. Uh, the the fish. yeah. They can't sell those fish after they do that, so it's a waste. <laughs> no, they can't sell them. They Generally, one of them takes it home. Right. Um, <clears throat> it's, it's not a waste. It's a profit loss. The fish right. doesn't go to waste. Trust me, the fish doesn't go to waste. Nobody pulls in an Alaskan king salmon like that, chucks it, and says, all right, we're done with that one. We expect them to do something at the Space Needle. Fairy turn on a ferry. I don't think they'll do anything on a ferry. No? No. I think they'll do something... Uh, they'll do something top of Space Needle, something Pike Place Market, something probably on the Ferris wheel. Mm. Which was never a thing in Seattle. They just decided to build one because it'd be a tourist thing. Yeah, I, I don't accept that as actual as an actual tourist yeah. location. Yeah. So no, I, coinc- no, coincidentally I enough, I just saw it on the map. And I was like, really? Why is this no. even on here? No, Cassie, I, I accept that it's fully a tourist thing. Okay. The space, no, you're right. The Space Needle, we go, yeah, you know, I've been there a couple times. You know, you do it. You're from here. You still point to it and go, yeah, that's ours, but a Ferris wheel, you know? It's yeah. like, welcome to Delaware. <laughs> it's a Ferris wheel. Mm, Pioneer Square? Um, if they can get all of the homeless and drug addict mm. people out of there, probably. Underground Seattle would be more likely then. Yeah, I don't think they'll do anything in Underground Seattle. They might. Um, I would... Uh, you know, it's they'll. It'll be Green Lake. It'll be um, Ballard Locks. It'll be. Yeah, oh, I, I expect there to be Ballard Locks. Something. Um, University of Washington somewhere. Probably. Um, I was guessing somewhere near maybe Redmond. Let Let's hit all the the Seattle cliches. You know, you got to work in. Well, Starbucks, you got to oh, work no, with Microsoft, Amazon, no. because that is the NHL way. No. Well, It'd be see, like Issaquah, but it would be from like one of the golf courses that has a, mass, a magnificent view over Lake Washington. See, see, Pat, I think this is where it's going to be interesting because how much of it is NHL, how much of it is the team, right? And I think we'll know very early on in the broadcast. I, I don't because there's nothing to see at Microsoft right now. I'll be honest with you. They tore down the the classic campus and are building a new one. Um so it's all construction right now around there. And the the only campus that's open or the only campus that's not been torn down really is the new one which has a little shopping mall and a couple sports fields in it, but it's you know, there's nothing there's nothing there at Microsoft right now. I mean, um, for sports generally, they don't they don't do the tech they don't do the tech rounds anyway. Yeah, it's. It, it, like I mean, it may be maybe Amazon simply because they're associated with the arena, but yeah, that's about it. But what an Amazon, right? Right. Well, and I brought up Starbucks, and they're no. basically sponsoring. No. They're sponsoring the name of the practice arena, which right. they can have technically they can have. But this is so that's that's the name. Sorry. Sorry, Cassie. That's the name I, I keyed on on. That's going to tell me whether they're doing this from a corporate NHL perspective or if they're doing this from a let's make it Seattle's perspective, because you're hard pressed to find any real Seattleite who can stand Starbucks. <laughs> and and you, <laughs> having been down to the area where where Starbucks headquarters is. Because it used to be Sears headquarters, actually, back in the mm-hmm. day. Um, and yeah, no one's going to go down there. No, um, I, <laughs> There's no I, seating, uh, value however, in that at all. <laughs> um, I would expect, I, I'm 50-50 on whether they'll do something at, at the Everett Boeing facility. 
Yeah, see, I'm wondering, so this is my question about all of it is, are they going to make the Pacific Northwest rounds or are they just going to keep it to Seattle? Or are they well, just that, keeping it to Western Washington? See, I don't, you know, that's, there's the great mystery, actually, because they're going to lay claim to Idaho, Montana, and Alaska, right? Mm-hmm. So what do they do? And do Oregon. They, uh, I don't care. <laughs> can I give Oregon to, can I give Oregon to San Jose fans? They can have it. Um, no. Well, everything but Portland, I guess. No, they can definitely have Portland too. <laughs> um, I think it'd be funny if they did that and just ignored Oregon because we want that rivalry to continue. Um, yeah, I mean, if they go around, I, w- I don't know. I mean, I'd, I would like to see them do something at Snoqualmie Falls. I have a feeling if you get real super kitschy, you could have somebody, you know, on Mount Rainier, you know, uncovering uh, something. Sticking a flag know. at the top at Columbia Crest. Something like that. Um, the number so one. That, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. You know, I want him to be, I want him to be Seattle. You know, I know it's, I know it's not going to be, and it's going to break my heart, but I want them to celebrate the funkiness of the area before it becomes all Starbucked. Yeah. Now I want them to be all like kitschy, but I want it to be all Pacific Northwest. I don't want it to be just Seattle. Having grown up an hour and a half west of Seattle, I don't want it to be all Seattle. And so, you chose, and you chose to go to school in Canada Junior, so you know. Eh, yeah. Well. The greatest, about, greatest thing about the Bellingham Mall is is 90% of the parking lot was BC license plates. Yeah, I know, right? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's, well, although, no, I just won't go into that. Never mind. <laughs> so, anything to do with Almost Live, I'm down with. I wish JP Patches or Gertrude were still around, but. Maybe House would be nice. Yeah, I think Brandy Carlisle will probably be part of it. Um, I would like to see them do something at Mopop. Anne and Nancy would be good if they're talking to each other. Again. Mm, Oh, well. Right, I forgot about that. Yeah. So as you can tell, we're prattling on because not really much happened in the (laughs) hockey world, I want to say. Outside of the Stanley Cup, which kind of ended how we all thought it would end. Mm-hmm. Other than the most epic of epic press conferences from Nikita Kucherov. <laughs> oh my god, that was such beauty. That was poetry. And the the people trying to bend over and the the ones that say they support it and then yet spend their time bending over backwards saying you have to you have to understand he's full of adrenaline english isn't his first language blah blah blah, mm-hmm. blah blah i'm like just stop just stop so he screwed up a couple of phrases i don't care he spoke his mind <laughs> he didn't say anything wrong he and he didn't, didn't say anything inflammatory well, no, he did, but he but, he, he cut in 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 another parlance, and I'm not a big fan of this particular entertainment endeavor. But in it, he cut a wrestling promo. Yeah. He cut a wrest. He cut a beautiful wrestling promo. You know, he dissed Mark Andre Fleury without saying Mark Andre Fleury, and then by not saying his name, you know, that guy in Vegas. I mean, that was just. That was cutting. You know, they give it to that, they give the vezina to that guy in Vegas, whatever his name is. I'm just like, damn, it's beautiful. We want villains. We want faces. We want villains. God, shut up about it being classless and destructive. Just imagine, imagine for a moment, ladies and gentlemen. What the hell Joe Thornton's presser would look like. Joe Thornton, who I don't believe has ever done a hockey interview with a shirt on. <laughs> outside of, I think, the, the, pre, the pre-cup final press conferences that they did in their um, 
I don't think he's. I think he wore a tracksuit then. But good luck finding an interview with Joe Thornton in a in a shirt after a game. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen. And God forbid the man ever scores four goals because you know. <laughs> Give me a break. He didn't. He wasn't outside of his digs at Flurry. And, you know, he took a swipe at Montreal fans for celebrating, you know, and I loved the little, the add-on at the end, you know, the the last series was their fight on. Just like, damn, son, that is a beautiful wrestling promo. It's the Canadian Stanley Cup since 1993. Yeah. <laughs> beautiful promo. Let it be, kids. He didn't call out any of the players on the Habs. He didn't say they sucked. You know, he didn't, you know, he didn't denigrate, you know, and call somebody like Gallagher or or any of the, you know, he didn't attack anyone personally. He just took a couple swipes at people. And since then, he and his agent, they're just leaning into it. Oh, the whole, the whole leaning into it thing is beautiful. Just the t-shirts, the... Eighteen million over the cap, the number one BS. It's just the deals with Bud Light. Yeah, have fun, enjoy it. It's probably been a miserable year and a half for these guys. And and you know that's what I was going to say, Pat. Sort of in, in closing my little rant is how much you know. There's got to be some steam release with that for them, you know. The last few months have probably started to feel more normal just because Florida being Florida, letting all those fans in the building. Um, but up to, you know, prior to that, this is this has got to be just like a a pressure cooker just going. <laughs> so lean into it and live your life, kids. You ain't hurting no one. Mm-hmm. I have no comments. I, uh, I I chose to disregard any of it. <laughs> I'm just happy the season's over so we can get to the silly season. Yeah, and I mean, the overanalyzing of every move that every team makes has already been hysterical. You know, the Victor Robertson trade was just like it got analyzed down to an ad, to to every little atom detail of the of the paper that was used. Well, no, I think it's a great move. You know, whether it was some lateral thing for Nashville to free up a um uh, an expansion draft slot for someone else, whatever you know. It's just, this isn't chess, kids. Some people are out there thinking it's chess. It, it, this is definitely checkers with your six-year-old. <laughs> it's gonna oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. There's going to be some screaming. Yeah. And some board flipping really quickly when they lose. Yeah, because some teams are some teams are out there treating it like chess and trying to do all these weird and quirky things. And some people are going, no, man, this is just checkers. Some teams have built up, you know, some depth in their AHL teams, make them constantly competitive and congratulate players. And then the Canadian teams do what the Canadian teams do. Yeah. Yeah. But hey, don't worry. Kevin LeBlanc, Redding Simek, and Dylan Gramble or trade bait for the San Jose Sharks. This offseason is going to get interesting. Um, I'm going to mansplain to you. It's Shimmick, but that's, okay. uh, I, 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 I don't, that. I don't expect, I don't expect everyone to do that. Um, it's, it's S I M E K. You know, how do you, where do you get the H from? Well, it's because it's a language. Um, anyway, um, there was a great, <laughs> there was a couple of good ones this morning on that whole thing. Um, Ah, let's see here. The best one I saw this morning, I saw that same tweet, you know, LeBanc, Shimmick, 
Gambrell or among Sharks players on trade blocks as team looks to make hockey deals. Yeah. And mm-hmm. my friend Ian up up north there says it's like a fire sale at the world's most mediocre store. <laughs> it's going to home goods. Yeah. I tell you. And, well, and his next his follow up was eyeing eyeing a Kevin LeBanc on on the sale rack. I mean, I guess it okay. It'll look okay in the guest bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and I had to jump in. I was like, you remember a few years ago, people were convinced the Sharks were one of the best drafting teams out there. No, they were one of the best trading teams. No, there were no. There was there were a number of people in hockey who who got on this. I don't know where they got it from, but they got on this thing that the Sharks were one of the best teams at drafting. And I I I think I did a little correlation and this may be pure coincidence, but I think it was right around that, that sentiment started right around the same time that pot started getting legalized in certain areas. (laughs) Now I haven't been able to put the two together concretely yet, but that's my working hypothesis Mm -hmm. because they've got a guy who's been at the helm for 14 years. And what do they have to show for it from their own pool? That's what I thought. Ten million, a ten million dollar Timo Meyer. That's what you've got. <laughs> I, remember, I, saw, I, I had uh, not tweeted this. I'd written it out and then I deleted it. But it reminds me of something I almost was going to say to someone. They were talking about the preseason schedule coming out for the Kraken and how you know it's good that they're going to be in Everett and Spokane and Kent. And and I almost tweeted at them, yeah, they should consider Vancouver because I hear that they're looking to like, you know, I, I hear that there are a lot of hockey fans there that want to see a good team. I want to see an NHL team. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was going to say that. And I was just like, no, maybe I should just leave it as good team. And then I was like, no, nah, I don't think I'm going to send this at all. <laughs> ah, you should. You should. Mm-hmm. There'll they'll be, they'll be enough Vancouver people driving down to watch cracking games. Because they want to see, they want to see what real hockey looks like. Um, I see what a real, what a nice arena looks like. Oh to, god! Oh boy! Yeah. No, no. I where's the lie? No, no. I, did I did I say anything? Mm-hmm. That wasn't that was a lie. Um, yeah, I'm a bit miffed, a little bit, because I can almost guarantee you there's no way in hell I'm going to be able to get tickets for that Oilers game against the Kraken and Everett. Now, and then I had to stop and and ask myself why. What are the odds that McDavid and Drysaitel and Nurse are going to be playing in that game? One will play, just based on the preseason rules. But no, I don't. I don't, no, they could they could roll out Nugent Hopkins and be and qualify, <clears throat> right? Yeah. The rule is the rule is really abstract, right? It, it's five or six, quote unquote, NHL, NHL players. Yeah. yeah, NHL veterans. Yeah, so they could they could you know wheel out Nugent Hopkins. They could get it quite easily. So, you know that, and and uh, I'm not driving down to Kent. <laughs> no, you know, I don't. You know what? I don't have a trucker hat, a flannel shirt, and uh, a classic pickup truck. And my sister lives in Oregon, you know, so I, I'd have to, I wouldn't have a date for the night. <laughs> no, you're thinking, you're thinking Auburn, not Kent. <laughs> no, no, well, I could look like I came from Auburn, you know. Black diamond. Yep. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, that's Pat brings out his map again and goes, okay. <laughs> oh, no, I know what you're talking about. Trust me. I, when doing my research, when, you know, John Keister had a bit about you know, all these stereotypes, specifically about Kent, Mercer Island, et cetera, yep. et cetera. South, South King County. Yeah. Or North North uh, Pierce. Or yeah, <laughs> South King County, Northern Pierce County. Yeah, one and the same. Um, yeah. Oh, crap, now that I think about it. Now they wouldn't do anything at the Puyallup Fairgrounds. Um, no. 
So, uh, uh, I guess we can wrap up. I don't have a question, but I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to ping you guys on something because okay. it's really perplexing to me. The number of people demanding trades or hinting that they want out of their respective cities. Right now, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, Matthew Kachuk sounds like he's really soured. Um, obviously, Vladimir Tarasenko wants out, and I can understand him, right? Because, you know, if I had a medical staff that fault injected the canine that many times on my shoulder surgery, I'd want to get out of that, you know, area mm-hmm. too. Um, obviously, Eichel. But, you know, you got to kind of, and I hate doing this because it's a real generalization. It's a broad, wiping broad paintbrush. But I go back to the articles a few years ago that were saying that millennials and Gen Zs are less likely to stay at positions that they don't like. Mm-hmm. And, in, in a, you know, working in jobs that they don't like. Um than you know older generations were and i'm wondering if we're starting to see that with with these sort of you know rumblings that these guys want out because you'd think someone like kachuk right would would be those grin and barrett kind of guys right for a while because his you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna project that his dad was but I don't think his dad could have been terribly happy in a couple of the places he played. But, you know, you sort of, some players, well, no, let me back up. Some people like me, if I get a bad boss, I just lean back and go, yeah, I'm going to outlast you. You know, it become <laughs> it really does become a battle of wills with me. Um, and let's see, uh, 100% of the time in my current job, I've outlasted every boss. Um <clears throat> But I just, you know, Bertuzzi, you know, is another one. You're, you're starting to hear some of these younger players going, mm, yeah, I don't think I want to be here anymore. I don't know if it's that so much as they just understand their worth. Right? Because before most players, even still, I guess, are browbeaten into believing that if they speak up, they're going to be traded to a place they don't want to go anyway. You know, that the ownership and the GM have all the power. And I'm just wondering if they're starting to realize that, no, they have power too, and they're not afraid to use it. They are learning how to gain leverage in the few places that they can before they become UFAs. Mm Mm-hmm. And add more power to them. Mm-hmm. Certainly. Yeah, I mean, that's, and, and sorry, I think that you hit the nail on the head, Pat. You know, I, I go back and think of the whole Line A Dubois thing. Mm-hmm. And even, you know, even prior to that with Nylander and Marner. It, or Matt Duchesne. Or Duchesne, yeah. You yeah, know. I mean, you know, every... Most players have like suffered through bad coaches and bad GMs and bad teams and whether it was junior or college or pro or NHL, but a lot of them just don't feel like they have the power to change anything. So they just suck it up and, you know, bear it and, and just like go through. And I think that these guys are recognizing the fact that they don't have to. Which is really weird because, you know, up until this sort of, I want to say probably like last five or six years, you didn't hear, you know, outside of Duchesne, you didn't hear a lot of guys saying, well, fine, I guess I'm not playing this season on their RFA deals, right? But it also might go back to what you've been saying for a long time now, Patrick, is the fact that they're more savvy with their finances. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, all this stuff is drilled in their head much earlier because of the mistakes of past generations. Yeah. So they, and because they know those that, people became agents. Yeah, and so they know that, that if they are UFA and they're not getting a deal they want or they can't go where they want or whatever, that sitting out a season isn't going to hurt them financially anyway. 
pick my ball up and go home. Mm-hmm. When before it would have for a whole lot of players. I mean, because well, go ahead, go ahead, Pat. No, no, go ahead, Pat. Please. I was going to say the alternative is like it. Let's look at the other example in Calgary outside of Kachuk. The other example is someone from the organization clearly thinks they should move Gaudreau or Monahan every offseason, but nothing ever happens. Well, there comes a time where when the players remain the same, but nothing else changes around certain players, what are you supposed to expect out of the talent? Like, it's been beaten to death this postseason that the way teams play in the regular season, the postseason are two different things. And you need depth players who can excel against the same opponent in a four or five, six game series. And often, you know, the stars can either be, you know, they can still be stars like Kucherov was, or they just kind of, you know, fall out of the spotlight and they, they play okay. But there have been so many players that have been in positions where they've, they've just been stuck in mediocrity, that mushy middle that everyone hates in the NHL, but players are stuck there. And I think Kachuk outside, you know, they've had a couple first-round exits, just like players in Minnesota Wild Pass or several players in Buffalo. Like, if you're Ristolainen or even a Jeff Skinner who was traded to Buffalo Here's a guy who's never played in the playoffs in his career. Like, what do you expect out of him at a certain point? Like, yeah, when you're stuck in mediocrity and then you're becoming the scapegoat, deserved or not, why do you want to stay in that situation? Yeah. When you look in the outside job market, options are, are, are boundless for educated people in certain sectors. They have a limited job scope. The only things they can do are sign short contracts. So everyone gets, you know, scared off when, oh, a player can walk when they're UFA. Okay. What's the, is that that bad? You know, we're not talking about Connor McDavid walking away from your team. You're, You're talking about a good player who can be replaced. By a equally good, if not better, or sometimes younger player. That hopefully you've drafted, so they're on an ELC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so, Tony Goudreau's going to look real good in a Kraken sweater. <laughs> but he's had contract negotiations with the team. He's staying. They're going to build around him. Uh-huh. Because... Isn't it funny how the Goudreau contract extension talks started around the same time that the Matthew Kachuk rumors came out? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, <clears throat> I am, I can't even begin to describe you how, and I will say it, I'll say it, I'm excited to see who is exposed because I, they, I swear to God, I think there's going to be a couple of names out there that nobody expects. Because couple? I think there's going to be a number of them. I, and, I want to be a little conservative here just because, you know, I think guys who have NMCs that their teams want to move on from, but their contracts are, are killers are going to be asked to waive. And I don't think in any way, shape or form, Seattle's going to take any of those. Like everyone is so set that Seattle's going to take Mark Giordano. I wouldn't touch that with a 10 foot pole. No, that's not how you build a franchise. That's how you build a one-year franchise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or you select him and you immediately ship him off somewhere else who needs that depth defenseman. And that's, you know, that might be a case. I would, you know, okay, we'll do this yeah. if I can get a first and a prospect from someone else. Mm-hmm. But Especially there's... given that there are plenty of defensemen that can be drafted by yeah. Seattle. But that's and exactly that's gonna going to leave other teams hurting for you know a three to five three to six somewhere in that range defenseman to fill the gap that's so yeah. other teams could you know i think we're gonna see a lot more uh a lot more teams employ the four four or eight skater protection method this season yeah, the that, four and four yeah then we would in the uh, then i would have expected probably three months ago 
Yeah, and unfortunately, some of the teams can't because <laughs> yeah. they've locked themselves. Unless players decide they want to, you know, waive their NMCs, knowing that they aren't going to get picked, right? Like, uh, Milan Lucic is the one I keep hearing. You know, they're going to go ask him to waive his no move. Oh, he he's already agreed to it publicly. Yeah. Okay. Well, then that's great. There's no way that Seattle's taking Milan Lucic from the from the Flames. Right. Yep. Right. Now the Giordano one, and and this is where I was. Uh, I I'm gonna I'm gonna take your ball a little bit and run a different direction. I want Aaron if you'll start seeing some of these money laundering things on these short contracts because he's got what one year left at six and a pop. So maybe Seattle picks him, takes a first and a prospect from someone else, and hangs on to three million so that they can fit him on, so that Giordano can fit under the cap on that target team. You know. Because now I'm now I'm starting to acquire assets for future, and it's only costing me three million this year type thing. So, yeah, I I'm really interested to see what names are exposed. I, it's there's going to be some doozies. When does that list come out? Does that come out I like the day before? I, I, or? No, it's or is it the day of? least on the 18th so one week from the day we're recording yeah so potentially we'll be able to see these uh lists before we record next uh they are due by sometime on the 17th which also kicks in a trade deadline yep until Mm -hmm. the completion of the expansion draft Mm mm-hmm so the next the next five business days could be quite interesting, I, I, which means two things will happen: nothing <laughs> or everything. Right. I'm going with nothing. I I feel like everyone's kind of waiting to see who Seattle picks before all hell breaks loose. Yeah. I and as always, the the team who acts first will will turn out to have done themselves the biggest favor. Yeah, the rare the rare case where blinking first doesn't mean you lose. Um, yes. Yeah. Okay. And I will say, as far as doing nothing is concerned, perhaps Ken Holland is doing himself a favor. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Still don't think. Anyway, <clears throat> yeah. Sign, signing Nugent Hopkins before this whole thing was just like, why? <laughs> wait, wait till the twenty seventh and sign him. You know. Mm-hmm. When is when is a pre agency again? It's the twenty seventh. It's the twenty seventh. Yeah. Yeah. Because the player has to be willing to sign with Seattle, right? And the player can just say no. It's you know, and you have his rights. You can negotiate. You say, okay, great, let's do this on the twenty eighth. Mm-hmm. Now, in fairness to them, you're, you're outside like- McDavid, Drysital, Nugent Hopkins, and Puliarvi. <laughs> do you need to protect any other forwards and vastly change your team? No, no. So from that point of view, I could say, I get why you're doing it, but. Uh, okay. But they could have protected three forwards and multiple defensemen. That's kind of where I was going. You know, a couple of the kids in the Evan Bouchard, you know, I would like to see them protect Caleb Jones because I think he's a very solid defenseman. He's probably a the middle bottom pairing D man at peak. Um, uh, Bouchard should have been playing a hell of a lot more than he did, but we'll leave that for another day. Um, <clears throat> and I think they've got one other kid, and I can't remember his name down there, but it, it, I don't think he's eligible anyway, so I guess it doesn't matter. Okay, we can sit here and hypothesize, or somebody can pull the shoot. You mean actually have a question? I, uh, or just okay. somebody could have a statement of fact, or a Cassie grenade would work here too. 
so much pressure. I mean, I have something prepared if necessary. I, Go ahead. I can pull you do it. Go ahead. <laughs> and I need to phrase this carefully or else we're only, you know, 100 plus episodes deep and I don't want to start revisiting questions we've already asked. So I'm going to phrase it like this. I had a boy who just turned nine two weeks ago and my sister happened to gift him several different hockey books, some directly written for children and some that were more generic written by some of the hockey men. And it's great. And he's loving it. He's reading it. But let me pose this question to you. What sort of content should be in a hockey book for kids under the age of, let's say, 15? This has been the 3B3 Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at 3B3 Podcast. We're available for NHL consulting at reasonable fees.